Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. All right, welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Doing good. Doing good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've made myself comfortable. I'm basically laying down, talking into the mic. So That's oh, the dream. That's you nice. know. This yeah. is good. That's the well, dream. I don't want I don't want a dream. So if I if there's snoring, just wake me up, guys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say my caffeine's finally kicking in, so I'm ready. <laughs> well, I've got a coffee too, so I'm hugging the be- best of both worlds right now. Ah, nice. It's funny. I uh, I was like, you know what? I, I was looking at my coffee drinking habits, and I'm like, this is probably not healthy because I put like a decent amount of like either um that like cream the international delight or either like some cream and sugar in my coffee and i'm like i wonder like i can't do coffee black so i tried this like energy supplement and it's funny because it's basically an energy drink without the sugar but i find now like i just like i'll have that and i literally am just running around the office in the morning at work i'm just like Uh all right let's go who's got (laughs) shit done i will will say that i have i i mean as of a couple of years ago, I I was like, if I was going through a drive through, I'd get like three cream, three sugar, mm-hmm. which is like to a lot of people is like disgusting. Uh, but I have reduced the amount of sugar to about one or two okay. now. But the cream, the cream is always constant. I need, I don't know. I mm-hmm. just, I'm with you I, on that. I need a creamy coffee, I guess. And it's people are like, do you want some coffee with your cream? And I'm like, no, nah, maybe a bit, <laughs> just a touch. Hey, just make it an espresso, then it will really balance out. Ah, yes, and I can also say espresso. Espresso. Then you're just (laughs) drinking a fancy latte. Yeah, oh, which reminds me, just because I've been getting a lot of them recently, we need to do some more, we need to do some giallo films on this show. We should. Some, some like, Argento, some, like, uh, Bava, like, some, like, weird-ass... Because I've been getting some like blue underground ones. Like uh, I don't know if you if you guys look at my my uh, Instagram and stuff, you'll see movies like Abracadabra, which is one that was done recently, or, um, or American Rickshaw, which is just like even reading what the movie's about on paper is just like, are you fucking insane? What's the like, one where the, ch- there's one with a chimp and Jennifer Connelly. I'm trying to remember. Oh, which one. Phenomena. Yeah, we should do Phenomena. Yeah, that's Argento. That's and and, she, and the monkey bit her finger off in the end of the movie. Like like in reality, bit her finger off. They had to like rescue the the tip of her finger out of this monkey's mouth and reattach it and shit. Like, oh my goodness! Yeah yeah yeah. It's like a, it's a real fucking thing. Funny and it's like yeah. Oh um, man! At uh, my office, like during Halloween, they let me. I get full permission to air whatever Halloween or horror movie I want during Halloween and. Uh, one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like put uh phenomenon and uh, my coworkers were watching and they were all like, what the fuck did you put on? And I'm like, gentle <laughs> <laughs> baby. Hell yeah. And that was his follow up to Tenebra. Yeah. So it's weird Wait. too. Cause I think Jennifer Connelly has like some kind of like psychic powers in that. Maybe if I'm yeah. remembering yeah. correctly. So yeah. 
yeah, you're you're right. It, it, you know what? It is it, if you if you look at and and I know that it's in that the the movie I'm comparing it to is in a like a total subclass uh, trilogy of its own, but it does have very Suspiria connotations to it. Oh, for sure. I I can't remember if we've done the remake of Suspiria. I'd have to look it up, but I feel like we. Uh, I think you guys did, I but did. I wasn't able to make it. Oh, okay. I was really disappointed by that one. I was so upset by that one because I, I mean, talking about the third act alone, or even the first, uh, the first kill in that movie, uh, in the dance room, like, oh man, I wish I got to talk about that. Especially the horrifyingness of her peeing herself in the middle of it. You're like, oh my god, what am I? What is going on? What is Luca doing to me? I, I mean, have we done an episode on the first one? Because I would gladly no. talk about... I, uh, when we did the, the remake, all I could talk about was the music in the first movie. And I would gladly do an episode just so I could gush more about the music. I think you guys... <laughs> we did with the old crew, but I would also not be totally opposed to redoing it. Because mm. I just love okay. that movie. Because it is it's, so good. It's, it, yeah, it is. It is. But, uh, uh, I mean, I, I on the other key, I also own, on my on my Google Play account, I do have the Tom York Suspiria score. Because <laughs> so good. it's fucking insanely good um when the few times a month i go to the gym i will play that as I'm, when i'm at the gym which i think one time i my um wireless earbuds were not synced up and so i was playing through my phone and i think people were just like is that what the dude's fucking listening to while he's working out his fucking time <laughs> <laughs> but hey you know what it works it works you know whatever uh yeah fuck but, yeah but uh yeah, we're talking about session nine. We're not talking. You know what? Not even <laughs> not even remotely related to Dario Argento. Um, but you know what? It's still a, still a good movie. The official summary: A tale of terror when a group of asbestos removal workers start work in the abandoned insane asylum. The complex of buildings looms up out of the woods like a dormant beast, grand, imposing, abandoned, deteriorating. The residents of Danvers, Massachusetts steer well clear of the place but danvers state mental hospital closed down for 15 years is about to receive five new visitors and uh, dun, dun, dun. yeah it's a very long and very dramatic uh mm. plot summary um but i love it nonetheless um, well this movie isn't simple at all like it's not no. like there is a complexity to it and i think you all like i think the reason that that one feels so that that description feels so long in the tooth is you're you, there's so much you got to do of skirting spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, the, why we chose it? This is a this was a very much requested one from listeners, and I think I can see why. Like, because it came out like 2001, and I could see when this coming out. Like, there wasn't probably that much at that time that really was on the level that this is at. And I think this movie doesn't necessarily add a lot to the genre or even its own subgenre. But what I think it does is it does well. It's basically just sort of refining the, the sort of story making process and just kind of does it on a very well to do level. And again, it's not being overly inventive, but I don't think it needs to be. I think it just needs to do the job well, which it does. So I think it's a strength, strength in filmmaking as yeah. well mm-hmm. uh because brad anderson this uh the first thing i saw from was happy accidents which was the year before this one but this is this was the beginning of a great uh feature film stretch for him because he had happy accidents 
Session 9, The Machinist, and Trans-Siberian all before 2008. So, and then I, I arguably I I enjoy Vanishing on 7th Street quite a bit. Yeah. Which is 2010. Mm. Uh, and Brad Anderson, I mean, he's a jack of all trades because besides, in between all of these movies, he's doing television, like multiple television shows for like Boardwalk Empire, Fringe, Treme, Rubicon, uh, Fear Itself. He did an episode. He did a Masters of Horror episode. He did The Wire for a couple episodes. Like, hmm. Ben is everywhere and he's really, really good at his craft. Not to uh, name drop, but uh, I should actually. I I know very, I'm very close to Michael Eklund, who uh, was in The Call, which he directed. So I should maybe reach oh, out okay. and see if he would join us for an episode. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, because Brad Anderson also co-wrote this movie as well. Yeah. So this is an original idea. And, uh, I mean, it's almost one of those things, too, where you, like they probably got to a location and they were like, oh, this works for all these levels. Like, just like in this abandoned asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do this. We can do that. We can do this. And all we need the, all we needed for a premise is these guys are a cleaning crew there to get all the asbestos out. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. Yeah, exactly. And the horror comes from that simplicity and yeah. comes from history of dormant buildings. Like, it, it, it's honestly a, a facet in horror that I find so absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also like, too, that the mysteries in here feel genuine. You know, like when you're sort of thinking about Gordon and his family, like they don't really talk about it that much, but you sort of start to ask your own questions like, well, what did happen to Gordon's family? Like, I'm curious now, right? Like, uh, and then the reveals start to happen. And uh, there's also sort of the reveal about Phil too, and like what happened with him and all these other things. And so you sort of start to ask questions about what's going on. And I think that's the sign of a good movie when you start to wonder like, well, what exactly is kind of going on here? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are definitely a couple things though, that were a little confusing. Like they threw some things in with Phil that they, they were really trying to make him a red herring, but then they like, when he's talking to those two dudes outside, like, I don't know if that was ever resolved as a thing that happened. I can't remember. Maybe someone can fill in the connection, but like there were just little things thrown in that seemed like oh they're just they just put that in because they're trying to throw you off as opposed mm-hmm. to that actually being something to do with the plot. But like other than that, I I think they they did a fairly good job of keeping your head turning between what was actually going on. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I um I definitely sort of in my mind I was thinking as I was watching this like there's a few sort of weird things like when they were talking about like phil's like exit plan or whatever and they're like oh he'll tell you one day and i'm like oh, that seems kind of like a weird thing to mention <laughs> yeah like wouldn't you just don't you know what it is like could you just say like oh that was kind of weird but yeah that was one of those things that was like oh is is he the killer is that why like th- we're gonna find out his exit plan later on is like blah 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 but like that was that was kind of cool too because that like throughout some of it you're like oh you, you know that something is going to happen between them and that someone is definitely getting lobotomized, right? Like, you know yeah. that's going to happen. But you don't know who's going to do it and you don't know when and, and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. It was weird watch uh, re going through this movie again. And, and I, 
I always feel like I'm, you know, extrapolating. I'm like, oh, I keep thinking about other movies that would be really great to bring to the podcast and everything. Yeah. But this, and, and it's always like, it, like my mind's moving a mile a minute when I'm doing this. And sometimes mm-hmm. I have to rewind and be like, oh, right. Okay. I'm focusing on this. Yeah. Um, I kept thinking about the mocu- uh, the 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 mockumentaries, uh, Cropsy, and the movie mm. MC tapes the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah, and because they both have this, I mean, they both deal with abandoned places, abandoned asylums, or abandoned houses, blah blah blah. Yeah, and it, it's it's almost like like you could create now. Like I know we do pairings of these movies, these type of movies, all the time, and we have this week as well. But like, um. You could almost do a fucking marathon oh, of for all sure. these mm-hmm. creepy movies, and uh, it, it's cool because I, I think that same feeling goes through all of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I do also want to say, you know, it's funny because you were bringing up the ghost ship death ship comparison earlier, and I was looking mm-hmm. at like the movies that we got coming up, and literally we have a double feature of ghost ship and death ship. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just find that funny. I was like, oh. I actually was going to also add Phenomena to that list because I'm like, I definitely at one point want to cover Phenomena because that movie's mm-hmm. just so, so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyways, yeah, you know what? This, we're all about teasing episodes that we will do eventually on this podcast. That's our big thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's part of the, part of the fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, this was a very much a listener-requested one, and, and again, I can see why. I, I Oddly enough, this movie went under my radar, but I've kind of noticed that with the 2000s, where, like, I think I started to check out a little bit of horror at that time, and going back, like, there were some movies that I watched for sure. Like, I remember re-watching Shaun of the Dead a ton of times, uh, and other movies as well, but there was a lot of horror that I just missed out on, and so going back and finding movies like this it's kind of like why didn't i watch this like i wasn't doing much in 2001 i could have easily watched this but uh i think it's yeah it's kind of nice to come across these movies but uh yeah uh first time we watched it it was for me it was for the podcast um what about you two uh yeah yeah same for me actually i for the longest time i don't know why but i got this movie confused with the fourth kind and Ooh. so I, I, yeah, yeah, Ooh. I know watching it, watching it for the, for the podcast today, like session nine, not the fourth kind. I was like, oh, thank God we're talking about this. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, we can talk about the fourth kind at some point for sure, but definitely not the same type of movie. No. Um, so I didn't just because I, I had them confused. I never actually watched session nine because I thought it was something else. So I'm very glad we're doing it for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because for some reason I thought Session 9 was a found footage movie. And I know some people here like found footage. I'm not the biggest fan. I think that was partially why I didn't watch it for the longest time. And then I watched it. I'm like, this isn't found footage. Why the hell was I not watching this for the longest time? <laughs> but Oh, yeah. see, I'm like, I am like, ooh, found footage. I will watch. Even if it's terrible, I will watch bad but, found footage films. So. I think <laughs> for, I'm, like, that's me and slashers. Like, I will watch even a bad yeah. slasher movie. Yeah. Um, I don't, I've just never really been into found footage that much. And I'm starting to get around to it. I think this podcast has been really helpful for, like, finding some that are actually fun to watch. But, yeah, there, well, there was a yeah, long time. I think it was just burnout in the industry because that was their big thing for the longest time. Like, the mm-hmm. late 2000s to, like, the early 2010s, it was just, like, this phase of a whole ton of 
found footage horror movies and i think when the blair witch reboot came out that was sort of kind of where a lot of people kind of were like i think we're getting kind of sick of this like i think we're done with mm-hmm. this yeah but i would like a resurgence yeah. like i think there could be some cool ideas there that they could throw into a something in the genre like that yeah i mean i grew up with found footage too so it's probably just my internal bias being like like i have vivid memories of seeing paranormal activity in the theater with my friends so <laughs> yeah it's ingrained inside of me yeah but it, i mean yeah the I think it goes to show too, like you can be like thinking all oh, this subgenre is not that great and find some movies in it that you enjoy. So you I am definitely glad. I am definitely glad that this wasn't a found footage film though, because I think yeah. it benefited from not, I like, I don't know how, maybe they could have done that, but it would have been more confusing. I, I agree. I think this movie works better when you have that sort of character interplay and I think if you did it as a found footage movie, you would sort of lose some of that just because it could be like, oh, there's some loud bang or something or the camera's not on these characters. So I think it works yeah. better when you have something a little more focused like that. Yeah. Well, and you can actually see like you were hearing the weird things that Gordon was imagining in his head, right? Like talking to his wife and things like that. And and yeah. in a found footage, you don't have that. You have to make the character say really weird lines of dialogue to get that to come out. So I think it would have killed it a little bit. But anyways, sure. yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, I, uh, I I saw it initial week of release on DVD. Nice. nice. So yeah, uh, and I didn't know anything about it. Just grabbed it off, uh, off, and it wasn't like a Rogers video. It was like a a, a place called D Video, which is like kind of like a weird offshoot that was in Coquitlam area, and you could rent seven new releases for seven bucks or something like that. Oh, nice! I just grabbed, I grabbed uh, this one, not knowing anything about it, and fell in love with its absolute subtlety. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. incredibly subtle until things start ramping up. Uh, and it was uh, the the cool thing about this one because uh, I looked up in, into it right away because I was like so interested in it, and uh, it was written to take place exactly where it was filmed, the Danvers State Hospital, and uh, I mean cast and crew stayed in this place while they were filming. Oh, creepy! Yeah, and it's actually fucking haunted. If you believe in that shit, it's actually haunted because David Caruso. Uh, saw weird shit going on, and Peter Mullen uh, corroborated that. It was like, yeah, no, I saw weird shit going on too. What the so, fuck? Yeah, it was really, it was really haunted. I'm gonna fall into a hole after this episode for sure. Looking into this, <laughs> I, I think it's such an effective movie, like, yeah. and and being like almost like a micro budget movie as well. It's like, it, it is damn cool. It's a damn cool movie. It, it felt like. Honestly, when I saw it in 2001, I was like, I felt that that discovery with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of like one of those those movies that doesn't quite get cult status. You know what I mean? It was like I mean going to, to a different genre, but it was like finding Boondock Saints and being like, holy fuck, have you seen this movie? And start passing it around to your friends, and that's how it starts to grow, right? Mm-hmm. It's Session Nine was that was definitely one of those movies. Yeah, it's, uh, I think watching it too, like, again, it's just, I don't think it does anything too different. Like, I've seen a lot of these ideas and sword beats before, but again, I think it just does it really well and really effectively, which mm-hmm. sometimes it's all you need. Like, I don't need a movie to 
be adding too much. Like it's a, sort of like a recipe. I don't need you to necessarily overcomplicate the recipe. No. I just need you to cook it well. And that's kind of like mm -hmm. this movie. Like I don't need more ingredients. I just need the five that it gives me and I need it to be cooked well. Sort of yeah. like what I keep coming back to. And this is like, yeah, it just works really well for what it's wanting to do. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. No, mm -hmm. it's a really great pepperoni pizza. Like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. But the ingredients are just so fucking good that it makes it like almost like a completely new experience. Mm -hmm. And I know you've been waiting for me to bring up some CSI connection here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm chomping at the bell. So, so David Caruso's in this, Horatio Kane in CSI Miami. And Paul Guilfoyle is in this movie as well, who was brass on the original CSI. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So there's my CSI connections. There you go. Uh, and uh, David Caruso never does a side profile and take off his sunglasses or put on his sunglasses at any point in this movie. Um, so sad. <laughs> it's what he's known for, man. Oh, it's all I want from him now, you know? It is. Uh, I just wanted him to be sexy like in Jade. Oh man, <laughs> it is kind of funny because like the moment I saw, I watched this because like it is funny because like I'll watch your uh, Instagram stories and oh, right. uh, you'll review stuff that mostly I'm like oh, okay I like that movie or I saw that and then sometimes you're like hey I watched Hawaii Five O and I'm like I would never review that <laughs> yeah they just keep sending you know the thing is uh, I I am either a glutton for punishment or I just really want to add just everything to my collection I can so when I get uh emails from from uh from distributors being like oh we're putting this out we're putting this out we're putting in this out yeah i just go you know what guys send me everything <laughs> i you i kind of figured mean? that because like there are times i'm like i I'll, I'll i'll maybe choose like two from these lists and then i'm like i bet you steve probably was just like carte blanche send me it all <laughs> yeah, why not right well, yeah. I mean, I mean, some of the Warner Archive stuff, like I'm dipping into stuff that's from the 1930s and 40s, and it's stuff, honestly, for me, like pre 67, 68, I'm very, very hazy on. So it's yeah. like when you when you throw stuff at me, it's kind of like a rediscovery. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes the, the rare time that it's actually really cool that I check this out, and then there's times where it's just like, you know, that was a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But, uh, yeah, all around, uh, yeah, this is a good solid movie. And uh, we got some emails, too. Uh, Henry says, uh, big fan of Asylum movies. I'm not too sure what it is about it, but it seems so creepy. I think it's sort of like the idea that there there was things going on. Like, especially because we know for a fact that, like, a lot of those earlier mental institutions were obviously doing like a lot of bad practices with like lobotomies and other stuff so mm -hmm. there's sort of like this real world kind of feeling like yeah some things were going down that were cruel to the subjects and so you, yeah it, it takes that and obviously adds like a bit of a supernatural spin to a lot of it but there's a, that basis in reality and i think that's where it's like oh yeah there's there's something to be terrified about here um mm -hmm. Like, the fact that you could literally just be put in one of these places and lobotomized, like, that was a reality for many people at a certain point, so. Yeah. And that spike is awesome. Oh, yeah. That's great. It's, it's such a cool and sinister-looking thing that's real. Like, it's a yeah. real lobotomy tool. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, it's so great. Especially when they, they pull it out of Josh Lucas's eye. Oh. oh which oh. is the only CG in the movie. That is. Oh, that's, a, that's okay, that... It's CG. I it was like a, okay. 
Yeah, it's the only effect shot in the movie. Yeah. Oh, it was oh, it was so gross. And when he pulled it out of the wall too, when he's taking those coins out, the Hank character, and he pulls out the lobotomy thing, I was like, oh, he, he's he's either getting lobotomized or he's gonna lobotomize someone, hundred percent. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, when he says, "Curious, what you all think of the ending?" I've seen many interpretations online. We were kind of talking about this before we were recording, but I don't think there's like that many. Like, it doesn't seem that confusing to have an ending. It seems like the spirit has taken over Gordon and caused him to kill all these people. It's a possession Mm -hmm. film. You know what I mean? Like, it it is, it is, yeah, possession horror. But the the beauty of this film is it takes, is it takes its time to unravel that to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, because you think, you think that he's, just with them you know what i mean like he's he's like he's obviously being affected by something but you you're not exactly sure what whether it's the stress of this job or it's the stress of working with this crew which is you know at times at each other's throats mm-hmm. uh it's there, there's so many different variables and the fact that we're not inside these characters heads that we are almost a floating extra character as part of the crew makes it so interesting and uh, I I've read that that the inspiration of making this film is uh, Nicholas Rogue's "Don't Look Now," and okay. I, I think that adds like such a a a neat element to it uh, because a lot of that movie is uh, is generated the, the scares are generated through sound and I think the same is true for Session Nine mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes the variable so ambiguous. And, and yeah. maybe maybe that's where it's kind of uh, screwing with some of the audience, where they they believe that they're pulling something different than is what it actually that is there. Yeah, yeah, but like my first watch through of this, I did find some parts a little bit confusing just because of how much they throw out at you, mm-hmm. um, and some parts it's hard to tell if it is going to be important or not um, because of the red herrings and them trying to throw you off. But they really yeah. do set up like exactly what happens right like they have the the simon i don't know if simon is supposed to be this character but like the demon or whatever he is right they have him talking specifically to gordon right like he it it is it seems overt to me that it is some sort of thing that is possessing gordon at least um and like the whole reveal at the end where Yes, they're they're talking about Gordon having you know he's the one that has no exit plan, right? Everyone else has some kind of escape strategy, but he's the only one that doesn't, and and he's got all this stress, and he's this or that, and sprinkling, um, kind of like what Steve is saying with those variable variables, sprinkling them like breadcrumbs throughout. And if you're just mm-hmm. watching through this and not a hundred percent paying attention to those, I think it can get confusing because those are the kind of the pieces that that really make it all fit together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Let's see here. Uh, Best line from the movie. I think uh, Uh, Taylor, you had a really good pick. (laughs) Well, I had a funny one just because I, I love when David Crusoe just goes, Hey Gordon, fuck you. Or however he says it. It's just, it's, it's in a just really weird way that doesn't even get resolved like it just cuts to the next scene after that it's just great that was one of my favorites 
But also just like um, at the end when he's talking on the very obviously not real phone to his wife, talking about how lonely he is uh, and how he just wants to come home. That was also like, ooh, creepy. Uh, I like the simple David Caruso line, it's going to get ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's at the perfect time, and it's really funny because that's not in the script. Crusoe just said it, and they were like, "Well, that works. We're gonna keep it." <laughs> yeah, I uh, I do like when Phil says, "Why would Hank be here?" And then Jeff's just like, "Ask him yourself." And I'm just like, "It's such such a weird <laughs> line." So I'm like, "Well, why would he, why would he ask him himself? He's not here. This is so weird." Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think someone also at some point throws out a line that's like, oh, if it keeps up like this, we'll all be dead by Monday. And I was like, mm, yep. yeah, yeah. Sealed your own fate there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's, uh, yeah, those are some good lines. Let's see. Best uh, performance in this. Is it David um, Caruso? Probably uh, I was gonna say I the Peter, Peter Mullen. I think is is he the actor who plays Gordon? Yes. Just to confirm, yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think Peter Mullen in this does a really good job of looking checked out for the the scenes where he his character is like distracted by his own psychosis. Basically, like he does a really good job of playing the line between has he snapped or is he really just like under a lot of stress? You know. Um, I'm gonna. This might be a little controversial, but I'm gonna say Josh Lucas because that dude a year later was in Sweet Home Alabama, and I didn't even realize it was the same guy. I was like, that that is. I looked it up later. I'm like, what? Yeah, Josh. No Lucas. way. Like that dude definitely went over a transformation. Like that was so weird because he definitely just doesn't look like Josh Lucas in this. He looks like some like redneck guy that they pulled out of a van somewhere like it's really weird but it, it works for the movie i mean but yeah i'm just definitely like the fuck no like you compare like with josh lucas yeah a year later was in sweet home alabama it doesn't look anything like uh hank does and then this. like a heartthrob right yeah so i and i then... said that if anything just for the transformation alone i think that yeah. I, I was i was pretty uh I was pretty sort of impressed by that. But. And uh, I have to bring, if we're talking Josh Lucas quickly, I have to bring up that he was also just in uh, Amy Simetz's uh, She Dies Tomorrow. She Or he was, yeah. Yeah, he was the doctor in that movie. And if you haven't seen that yet, audience, get, get the on. fuck on it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Anxiety horror. I've said this. To, I said this to, to Kurt. Anxiety horror is like my new favorite genre, subgenre. Yeah. No, it, it's... Like anything that makes me feel fucked up. Like in the end, I feel like I just got over a panic t- attack or had a fucking heart attack or something. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, ooh, that was effective. Also, less... that, that's the new fear. That's the new fear is anxiety. Is your own fucking brain working against you? That's the new fear. Wasn't he that's... also the douchebag in Ford v Ferrari too? Yeah, he's the uh, he's the guy that's trying to undermine them the whole time. Yeah. By the way, very underrated movie from last year. So good. So good. I love that movie. The theater experience. I know we missed those, but the theater experience of that movie was just phenomenal. Um, Steve, what's a theater? I know. I know. (laughs) I I feel old. I feel old there. Uh, There was an anxiety-inducing moment in this movie when 
the Jeff character was in the basement and all the lights started going out and he just starts sprinting away from like that is my worst nightmare. I am someone I wouldn't say it's a phobia, but I am afraid of the dark and my imagination is very overactive and I've watched a lot of horror movies and I would one hundred percent have the exact same reaction as him in that scenario. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> definitely watching this though, it was uh there was a few points where I was just like, Oh, that's a bad decision. Like when he find or when Hank finds the silver in the walls and he's like i'm gonna come back later for this and i'm like oh gosh don't just just yeah. bad bad idea like could mm-hmm. you not just take it tomorrow during the regular business hours like why are you coming back tomorrow dude no nah, then he'd gotta share it with people man oh, that's true um all right uh best uh, kill in this movie there's not that many kills in this no. Yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed by the death in this movie. I mean, the 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 when they go through Gordon killing his family at the end, I thought that was creepy was and well done. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I had written down death by hug because that's what it looked like happened to the the nephew Jeff guy at one point when the the camera rushes up to him and he's got his arms out and he looks like he's going in for a hug. I don't, yeah, the yeah. other ones you didn't really see too much of. It was kind of disappointing. Yeah, that was probably the one for me was like at the end. And you don't really see it, but you more so just hear it. But yeah, still. and I don't even know if... I don't like. Do we even know if the lobo- lobotomy killed Hank? Because he kind of seemed still alive. Oh, I'm sure he wasn't like long for this world, no. 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 Yeah, otherwise it would be lo- the lobotomy then just because that always is creepy in asylum movies yeah um but yeah no I, uh, I i i don't know i think i was trying to think about it but there wasn't that many kills i mean there were people who died but you didn't really see a kill yeah it was more so like yeah. you just see them after the fact so it was kind of disappointing in that regard for sure so and like especially phil like i thought his character deserved maybe a little more dramatic of a death but that's not right yeah <laughs> um all right, let's see here. Uh, dumbest decision in this movie. Uh, I have to agree with your... I wrote down Hank going back into the asylum, so I agree with you earlier talking about going back. That's just... Why? Why? That's just dumb. That's yeah, I would agree dumb. with that one. Because, I mean, the, the largest, biggest decision is, is, like, how hard up for money are you guys to do an asbestos removal on a place like this? Yeah. yeah. Well, and and I mean, even if you're not scared of the regular horror movie stuff, like ghosts and shit, or, you know, your coworker coming out of nowhere and lobotomizing you, at least be aware that, you know, squatters could be in there and, like, other people that you might not want to run into, like, yeah, you know, there's, there's real world factors. Anyways, that was just, like, dumb, dumb, dumb. That was, yeah. Okay. Um, Steve, do you have a dumb moment? Uh, I would agree with Hank going back in. Uh, I mean, because I think the other big one is just, I mean, it's the full setup of the movie, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, and you know, it's uh, it's a case where it's like, you know what? Yeah, there's there's some dumb decisions in this. And I think it kind of, <laughs> I hate to say it, but it makes sense too. It's like, asbestos removers, I don't think they're probably always the brightest bulbs in the lot. So I'm like, okay, it kind of makes sense there'd be some dumb decisions here. You know, these are not NASA scientists. You know, I can buy that they would probably be making some dumb decisions. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, cool. I think it's time to rate this. 
what are you going to give us a score of? I <laughs> love this movie. Uh, I always it was a it was a big go to for recommendations of horror movies people hadn't seen when I was a video store employee. Um, so I, I just I have a a lot of love for the also the micro budget of it. Like it wasn't successful in theaters, so it's not one of those success stories. But um, yeah, this is a this is a nine point five for me. Nice, nice. Yeah, I might I might go a little bit lower just because there were parts of it that I felt like, eh, like I don't know why this is in here. It kind of throws me off or distracts me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like this is definitely one that I will come back and rewatch. I love it. I mean, the setting is just one that I love in general. Um, mm-hmm. And it does kind of skirt the line of some themes of found footage. Like it kind of has that same atmosphere in some of the shots that it sets up. So I, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with an eight point five. Nine feels a little bit too high, but eight feels too low. So I'll go in the middle. Okay. Given a lots of point fives lately. Yeah, you know what? That's why they exist. So it's like just in case you're like in the middle. It's like you can be like, yeah. Eight point seven two four. Eight point seven nine 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 nine. Yeah, repeating. <laughs> just go on forever. Uh, I'll give this a nine. Sure. I mean, I'm probably, I admit that I'm probably being slightly generous, but I I thought this was good. It was just really effective at what it was doing. I think maybe it could have used a little bit more inventiveness, but at the same time too, it did what it was supposed to do really well. So I, I can't really give, fault it for that. Uh, give David Crusoe a pair of sunglasses and I'll bump it up an extra half a point. Yeah. I think we all would have enjoyed it a little bit more David Crusoe sunglasses action. <laughs> I just want to imagine now that somebody like writes in to somehow connect CSI Miami with Session 9 somehow. Like, put them in the same universe somehow. I don't know how you get that to work. I'm not a CSI Miami person, but somebody can make it work, I'm sure. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. definitely, I'm definitely, like, like David Crusoe's character retires at some point, and then he's like, ah, oh, but I still need to make money, so I'll just go work for this at best. I'm making the connections. I'm doing it right now this, in my this, head. <laughs> this is what we need. We need CBS to get on this, you know. I'm sure they have their own streaming service now. Everyone does. You know, they can just shove it on there, you know. The, <laughs> how does CSI Miami connect to Session 9? But uh, How does CSI Miami connect to everything in life is what we need to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. How does it connect to Game of Thrones? I'm sure we can make some connections if we really need to. Totally. But yeah. Uh, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me at the Steevil Dead on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, my website is stevestebbing.ca. Uh, and there you can uh, you can also on my Twitter feed find my interview with Jay Baruchel, uh for uh, Random Acts of Violence because... Um, that will be on Shutter on August twentieth. You can check that one out. That's not won't be on VOD anymore. You can well, it will be on VOD as well. But you can also check it out if you have a Shutter account. Tremble Pod. If you don't, I wonder, um, if, I wonder if they'll do like a drive-in last drive-in for that. That would actually be really cool if they did. That would be really cool. I would be, and I guarantee Jay would be open to that because he's just he's really fucking proud of this movie and he should be. Um, I think but, after uh, this, I will send the tweet and get. We'll get these gears a rolling, Steve. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna make be... it happen. This will be a trumble yeah. move in the world to make things happen. Fuck yes. Uh, but also uh, keep an eye on my Twitter feed because I'm going to be doing some subsequent podcasting with Jay. 
uh, release, uh, revealing more of the secrets behind the scenes and getting spoilery and talking with uh, cinematographer Kareem Hussein. Uh, hopefully talking with Wade McNeil and stuff about scoring the movie. Wade McNeil is a guitar player from Relaxus on Fire, uh, which is one of the greatest Canadian groups ever made. Nice. Uh, yes. And uh, yeah, so I'll be getting deep on that movie. Very excited to, to give all that. And just talking with Jay, who's just like a consummate movie lover. We connect on co- collecting Blu-rays and everything. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff between us. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Damn, that sounds fun as fuck. Oh, it's gonna be awesome! It'd be great to have Jay on an episode of Trumbull. I, yeah, I, I don't know what movie we would talk about, but I don't. I also feel like it wouldn't matter. Like it would just. No. We could be talking about um, what's a really weird movie that we could talk about? Club Dread. We could talk about Club Dread, and I'm sure it would be an interesting conversation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely, and the insight and stuff, and especially, uh, you know, Jay, who's been making movies for for decades now. Uh, yeah, it'd be very cool to check that out. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, social media. My username is Cersianic. I have other podcasts and random shit that I do that I post about on my website, which is cersianic.home.blog. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, I'm over at threegrinners.com where we talk about horror movies, even not on our horror movie podcast, because that's how much I like the genre. Um, <laughs> also, too, uh, interview with Jermaine Clement, and that was a that was a fun one. Uh, I, you know, the thing about that interview that I kind of enjoyed too is like I took my time to like really craft some decent questions, and when I was asking him the questions, he you could tell he was actually kind of like mildly impressed with the questions. He's like, "All right, these are some pretty good questions." I'm like, "Damn straight they are." So <laughs> check that out. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm also on Twitter, film critic Kurt. I'm also on. Uh, letterbox as well fatal koala i i usually am pretty good for updating as i watch a movie so i almost like neurotically i'll be like end of the movie can't do anything until i like update my letterbox so if you want to know what i think of a movie a good chance that i'll have it reviewed on letterbox so and yeah uh that's it until uh next time everyone bye for now